Welcome to your Active Stack Brief podcast. My name is Luca Bertuzzi, your technology editor. This week, we take a closer look at how EU countries are addressing artificial intelligence at the national level. For an overview on all things digital in the EU, sign up to our free newsletter or visit the website youractive.com. This is Euractive's Tech Brief Podcast. Today I'm joined by Raquel Jorge, Analyst Lead on Technology Policy and Global Affairs at the Elcano Royal Institute. Hello, Raquel. Hi, Luca. How are you? Thanks. Um, so, Raquel, you have been uh, working uh, on a report published by the um, JRC, um, the Research Center of the European Commission, on the national strategies regarding artificial intelligence. What were your main findings? Thank you for asking me. And first of all, I wanted to say that I will speak in personal capacity because I worked on this project as a consultant. So, so basically, the this JRC report touches on how member states are contributing to the coordinated plan on AI, which was reviewed last year back in 2021, and that builds on the lessons from the first coordinated plan that was released in 2018. Basically, this AI Watch report provides an in-depth comparative analysis of national AI strategies in member states, plus Norway and Switzerland as associated countries. And what we basically did was to assess how all national strategies and specifically all policy measures contribute uh, to the achievement of these goals that are framed in the reviewed coordinated plans. So basically there are several main main findings that I think are of interest. The first is is that um, on the 1st of February 2022, uh, at that moment, 23 member states plus Norway had already published national AI strategies, while four others are, uh, were still in progress. And concretely, these four countries that uh, whose national AI strategy was still in progress were Belgium, Croatia, Greece, and Romania. And still four other countries uh, have updated their initial AI strategies. These are Cyprus, Germany, Finland and France, and actually uh, they have updated their national AI strategies in order. A second finding which was actually really interesting is that all countries acknowledge the importance of evaluation, of evaluating the progress of how these national AI strategies are being implemented, but actually when it comes down to the detail, to the specific plan to carry out this assessment process, it's just up to a few countries to define this time frame and this policy plan in the very document of the national AI strategy. And a second layer of this topic, similarly, is that all countries also indicate that policy measures on AI will be adjusted on a regular basis. And while it is true that all countries commit to amend their strategies, the timing of this update differs. For example, Hungary or Spain say that they will revise their strategy every two years, while the Czech Republic, Ireland or Poland have announced that they will monitor their strategies on an annual basis. And Finland also defines a time frame. And while 
these countries define uh, these adjustments and these updates, the rest of countries indeed commit to oversee the national AI strategy, but they do not define a specific period of, of time. This is basically the main finding in terms of, let's say, the governance side of things. But when it comes down to the very detail, there are several approaches and, and there are several trends. When it comes down, for example, to recognizing the importance of data and the importance of creating open data policies, all national AI strategies put the focus on the public sector. So how to foster open data for public administration, e-governance. Uh, also, when it comes down to, for example, fostering critical computing capacity, specifically 20 countries are planning data processing and management policies and infrastructures, including a special perspective towards open data, which is interesting. But actually, even if uh, most of EU member states aim to foster this critical computing capacity to later on uh, promote uh, further AI and AI uptake, the issue is that there are different perspectives in terms of how we organize this uh, policy measures on critical computing capacity because for example most member states seek to foster these large-scale infrastructures through centralized let's say one-stop national data infrastructures and other countries create another sort of governance model which is kind of platforms which are coordinated by several ministries or public departments uh, both types of governance models are interesting indeed uh, and, and also they pose uh, some challenges and also some opportunities which is interesting when when you say about policy measures and and uh, since you have done this comparative analysis um what are we looking at in terms of best practices that we see in europe right now well actually there are a lot of best practices actually uh, the interesting thing is that some a uh, country some european countries have uh, implemented some policy some policy measures in some areas uh, in common so there is a sort of prominent trend in some topics for example in terms of how they support the startups and how they aim to scale up some firms and innovation ecosystems the main finding and the main prominent trend is that all countries have set up funding mechanisms specifically on the side of a direct funding to support the startups through the whole business cycle also, it is true that some countries specifically allocate budget and allocate institutions to support startups at the very early stage, which is which is also a prominent uh, trend. Another best practice, which in this case it's not that uh, well expanded across all countries, is that uh, is public-private partnership. For example, half of the countries have set up national public-private partnerships, but the other half still has not uh, done so. So this means that still we need um, uh, to foster in some countries uh, PPPs or public-private partnerships. And also the way of organizing these public-private partnerships differ. But there are as well other best practices which are as well really interesting. For example, uh, if you look to the case of Portugal, uh, they aim to promote in their national AI strategy 
a mechanism which is called free zones of technology. Free zones of technology is a sort of testbed where startups, accelerators, uh, research centers can all of them convene all together and try to foster uh, test beds and experimentation facilities in a free zone. This is not a sandbox as such, which is as well interesting because Portugal aims to provide a different approach to how to, to test AI before going to the to the market. But I think it, it is an interesting case. Also, uh, there are still a few but interesting cross-border test beds and testing and experimentation facilities. So for example, France, Germany and Luxembourg uh, aim to create this cross-border test bed on autonomous cars. And uh, there are as well other, other interesting best practices. For example, Estonia uh, is just um, is only one of the few countries that aim to create data audits which mean which means that basically they want to audit how data is being used is being implemented and is being designed but also for example france provided an interesting uh, a practice which is that the french country aims to develop a system by which open data is submitted in real time and doesn't require uh, a waiting time of several days to be publicly released in this open data spaces. Other best practices which are as well of interest is how countries aim to attract and retain international talent and foreign investors to develop AI activities, to develop AI research centers of excellence, and also how some countries promote awareness campaigns for citizens. This is a trend that is still is small but it is growing so it is important to put it into value as well but uh, one of the main takeaways from this report is that uh, all countries uh, either either smaller either larger either with uh, a more or less budget all of them aim to attract and retain international talent and foreign investors through specific programs for example uh, some countries such as poland have this crowdfunding a uh, mechanism to try to attract uh, more and more funding for example malta has created really interesting programs to uh, attract a uh, talent from outside with uh, benefits with incentives so there are quite a few of them and i think it was important to put it into value it's very uh, refreshing to hear this because in brussels we tend to focus uh, a lot on regulation and to lose sight on what is going on in, in the member states uh, um, and indeed the, this coordinated uh, uh, action plan on AI is uh, the forgotten part of the AI package. But uh, what can you tell us about the situation on the ground? So how successfully have European companies uptaken uh, AI technology and embedded it in their services? When it comes down to AI uptake, we can look into this issue from a threefold perspective. First is how you can build a governance framework to effectively acquire, accumulate and uh, share policy insights on AI. The second perspective is how to unleash the full potential of data 
And third is how to foster critical computing infrastructure to support capacity building and enhance the development of the very artificial intelligence. So first, when it comes down to acquire, pool, and uh, share policy insights, in terms more of the governance side of things, it is true that each country aims to promote this AI uptake with uh, several approaches. For example, some countries have created specific bodies to monitor the implementation of strategies and concretely on AI uptake policy activities. For example, the Czech Republic created dedicated working groups on education, R&D support, industry, international cooperation on AI uptake as well. Poland, for example, set up a task force on AI policy enforcement, but also an observatory of international AI policy. Uh, so this is, these are some of the examples for the very uh, first uh, approach to AI uptake. But when it comes down to the second dimension, which is more, let's say, technical and more related to industrial policy, so basically how to tap into the potential of data, we have several um, findings, we can say. So first of all, we see that a member states are also aiming to create not only European data spaces, but also national data spaces across and within sectors. And these national data spaces are as well acknowledged by 2020 countries in their national AI strategies. It is interesting that there is a sort of correlation between the date of announcement of European common data spaces at the EU level and the country level co commitments that were uh, released to create these national data spaces. For example, in Austria, uh, there is a mechanism which is called data circles, which is a concept develop developed by Data Market Austria for a specific data ecosystem. For example, how you can use data for mobility, how you can create a national data space for energy industry 4.0, in which, let's say, sectorial data providers, users, brokers, developers or service providers indeed engage in a structured exchanges to address the sector specific challenges through national data spaces. But even if most of the countries that have already proposed to create national data spaces at the national level did so uh, during the time of the announcement of European data spaces, other countries such as Denmark and France created these national data spaces even before the EU proposal. So it is interesting to see this. And also, for example, an interesting case for AI uptake was the case of Poland, which in its national AI strategy points out the need to connect national data warehouses in the network of links between the economies of the Visegrad group in the EU and beyond. So it's interesting, right? Because even if uh, we can have a common approach on how to foster AI uptake, each country is deciding how to foster its own national data space on their own. But it is not only about uh, AI uptake in terms of data spaces, it is also about how we even promote cloud strategies. So this is the next step, right? So how we promote cloud. Uh, for example, in the report, we found that 12 EU member states plus Norway and Switzerland have so far developed national cloud strategies and the other countries have no strategy on cloud, but they do take actions and policy 
measures around the use and uptake of cloud computing for AI as well, such as, for example, a Malta's hybrid cloud initiative, which is an example of how to enable access to cloud platforms for both the public and private sector. Or also, for example, Slovenia, which has the state cloud DRO, whose implementation is part of the e-governance strategy from 2018. So that means that sometimes we will find um, policy measures on AI which do not need to belong necessarily to the very national AI strategy. It can belong as well to other strategies that, that were released before it. And finally, a um, third way to approach this AI uptake is critical computing. And actually, this is interesting because actually most member states aim to develop these uh, computing policies and these computing large-scale infrastructures, but they have different approaches. For example, most countries that are now entering into the a stage of advancing their existing computing capacities to foster AI are using the computing infrastructures that they already have. For example, Portugal launched the Advanced Computing Portugal 2030 strategy, or for example, the Czech Republic installed a national supercomputing center, which is called IT4 Innovations and aims to install this uh, center with the PETA scale HPC system, Carolina, last year in 2022. So, so as you can see, Luca, there are, uh, there are lots of things to address, but basically in the report, we highlight uh, a bunch of examples. So if someone is interested in it, they can have a look into the detail. And in the report, you also mentioned the fact that uh, a, a crucial step is how AI technology is uh, passing from the laboratory where it's developed to the market. What can member states uh, do to support this uh, technology uptake uh, in this crucial passage? This is a challenging question because I think that all countries have set up policy responses to address these uh, issues on how to move from research to the market, so from the lab to the fab. And it is true that all countries have set up policy measures, but there are some differences. For example, just to mention some interesting case studies or interesting uh, best practices, uh, Italy in its national AI strategy has set up a model of AI 60-40 calls, which means that uh, these calls will aim to transfer research knowledge into business models as startups and accelerators. And for this, they will have a 60% of work on AI and a 40% of work with businesses companies. So that every time you have a research activity, you will be directly connected to some uh, center, to some business company, to some startup, to some acceler accelerator mechanism to make your research move from the very lab to the fab, to the commercialization of, of this into the market. And it is, it is interesting because in this uh, Italy's national AI strategy, at least 10% of these calls, of these 60-40 calls, should create new startups addressing only AI. So this means that sometimes you have uh, in some national AI strategies and in some national 
strategies on digitalization, some activities on how to move from research to the market uh, by combining different technologies. So basically Internet of Things, 5G, AI, cybersecurity. But in the specific case of Italy, in the 6040 calls, it is interesting to see that the main focus is on AI. Uh, but also, I think that there are as well other main findings which are of interest, which is that some countries have started to foster more and more venture capital activities for scaling up. For example, we have the Spain's Next Tech Fund, France Tech Seed, the Poland's National Venture Capital Fund, the Netherlands Dutch Venture Initiative, or the Germany's Tech Growth Fund. So actually in these venture capital mechanisms, most of them are aimed to foster those already existing startups that exist, but basically what they also want is to promote that every research activity that is made at the university level or in some scientific spaces, it can be as well commercialized and they can be as well scaled up. So they don't need to be necessarily transformed into startups as such, but they can be scaled up and be incorporated in some existing companies that perhaps are not startups, but are as well interested in this topic. A third line of how to foster these from the lab to the fab is national public-private partnerships. Uh, what, uh, the, so the main finding from the report is that uh, around 26 countries have set out specific policies to address national public-private partnerships on data, AI, and related technologies. Most of them have already a specific public-private partnership in, in progress, but actually they are devoted to convening private research and public stakeholders into a same ecosystem on several technology areas, which include artificial intelligence, but are not limited or uniquely devoted to this technology. So, for example, this is the case of Ireland's SVI strategic partnership programs, or for example, the Irish Research Council Enterprise Partnership Schemes, or the Industry Fellowship Programs, or Collaborative Laboratories, so there are lots of things. For example, these collaborative laboratories are in place in Portugal, but it is true that uh, most of these public-private partnerships, so how to foster, uh, let's imagine, uh, university research activity that can be moved forward to a business company. So uh, they need to enter into a national public-private partnership on digitalization, on technology, but it is not specifically addressed to AI. So this can pose opportunities because you can combine uh, your research activity with some business companies that maybe are not uh, really specialized in AI, but maybe they do need your work on AI to combine AI with 5G or with Internet of Things. But it is true that at the same time, it doesn't allow you to have a large level of specialization in AI. So it depends on your purpose, it depends on your budget as well, and it depends as well on, on, on which are your priorities indeed. Going back to the um, regulatory sandboxes, I'd like to pick your brain on one of the ongoing uh, policy discussions. 
Um, the European Parliament's approach to regulatory sandboxes, especially if we look at the um, Industry Committee opinion report, is very uh, prescriptive, giving uh, indications to the member states how this should look like. Um, whereas uh, if we look at the compromise that um, was circulated by the French presidency, it goes to completely opposite direction. The member states should have flexibility, we shouldn't be dictated what to do. Which approach do you think would be more successful? Well, this is an interesting question because the point is that it's not still closed. So that's why I always think that the debate is good in these topics. Uh, basically, uh, the main finding from the report, in, in, and I think that this will provide as well the answer to this question, is that a vast majority of countries have committed to the creation of test beds and experimentation facilities for AI but roughly only half of the countries plan or have developed regulatory sandboxes. Actually, uh, most experimentation facilities and some of these sandboxes are sector-specific, for example, targeting transport, healthcare, and agriculture. But still, we see that even if you can plan, let's say, industrial-related activities on how to test AI, still the very regulation, the very side of sandboxes is not still that uh, extensively developed. But for example, I think that a right balance between these two approaches was the recently announced Spanish AI sandbox pilot, which was actually announced at the end of June 2022, so two weeks ago. Where Spain proposed with the European Commission to pilot an AI sandbox to implement responsible AI with a human centric approach. Actually, this pilot I think is of interest because it aims to find a balance between uh, both sides or, or both opinions, right? So, for example, first of all, it, it aims to provide clarity on the novel requirements for AI systems set out in this AI regulation. It also aims to transfer compliance uh, and know-how in implementing the upcoming AI legislation to companies developing AI solu solutions, but at the same time, it aims to foster innovation and enable the development of enough, enough uh, as we always say, trustworthy AI systems. But uh, basically, in terms of grounded details and how this can be truly implemented, I think that the main key is for the sandbox to have good uh, communication with the private industry in terms of how you can uh, use, uh, so how, can, how you can test uh, before going to the market uh, those AI systems that could be of high risk. Uh, so basically to test them and to try to see how they, they comply with this transparency eligibilities and selection criteria. So basically, for example, the Spanish AI sandbox pilot aims to do so. Actually, it has two main focus groups. And the first focus group aims to involve uh, the practical implementation of these regulatory sandbox by testing solutions by supervising compliance with the AI requirements. And for example, in this pilot by Spain and uh, with agreement of the European Commission, companies will be able to present their proposal for high-risk AI systems 
to a public call for projects, which are uh, also expected to be launched by the end of this year, 2022. And actually, those who are selected based on transparent eligibility and some uh, criteria will be able to participate in the sandbox. So actually, I think that the main uh, topic in this debate is how you can um, test some AI systems which perhaps are of high risk and uh, how you can test them and how you can establish well-framed procedures to make them uh, either not go to the market or to be or to make people be, be protected against the high risks that they could have. Raquel Jorge is the Analyst Lead on Technology Policy and Global Affairs at Elcano Royal Institute. Thank you, Raquel. Thank you, Luca. That's all we got time for this week. Don't forget to sign up to our free Tech Brief newsletter to stay on top of tech news and digital policy developments in the EU and beyond. Also, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast published on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher and Amazon Music. This episode was produced with the technical help of Evie Curie. I'm Luca Pertuzzi and thank you for listening. <music>